0: The Natural Hat Trick, with Luke Lipinski, Craig Morgan, and Jamie Eisner.
1: Welcome into episode 252, bonus edition of the Natty Hattie podcast, alongside Craig Morgan. The bonus Natty Hattie, and Jamie Eisner. That's your bonus. Jamie's not here, except he is here. I'm looking at him. So maybe Jamie's going to do this one silence. Uh-huh.
0: Jamie no, doesn't I'm sound
1: happy to be awake at 10 a.m. <laughs>
0: uh, I
1: am not. Somewhere Gilbert Anthony's uh, heart was just in his stomach for five seconds, but Jamie is here. And, uh, and I'm Luke Lipinski. We should note before we get going here, we did have odd space sounds before the show. We all noticed it. We all said, what is that? And it immediately stopped. Mm-hmm. So it's possible this, this episode is being broadcast into outer space. We don't know. They should only be so lucky it's like when they send the, the, like the greatest songs of all time into outer space in case there's intelligent life, If there's intelligent life. They're going to hear us complain about hockey for the next hour. Lucas, uh,
2: look at the uh, shirts that are hanging in your closet. I'm wondering if you've considered pastels.
1: <laughs> These are not all mine. Okay. <laughs> in fact, none of the pastels are mine. This, uh, Evgeny Malkin throwback Jersey is mine, but I will not be wearing it. Cause that's the Jersey that they uh, are always wearing when somebody gets hurt. Um, 31 Coyotes on the way to the bubble. We'll do a, a Western Conference preview podcast later on this week. But as we record this, they're on their way to Edmonton. And Rick Tockett said yesterday's practice was the best that they've had.
2: Yeah, hard, hard to know how much of that is coach speak. <laughs> willing, like a lot of it. Willing it to, to be the truth. Uh, you certainly want to hear that as a fan and you want to believe that as a coach and as a player. I mean, they. I, I thought for the most part they, they had a lot of energy in camp, but whatever that's worth. I mean, you can't translate what happens in a camp practice for scrimmage into what's going to happen in an NHL, not quite postseason game. So we'll have to wait and see. Sorry.
1: Were you there at the end when, uh, when Chikrin and Keller and Garland and Dvorak were playing different games shooting at the net? I bailed, actually. Uh, I bailed uh, when most of them skated up the ice to try and get home for the Zoom conference. Oh, well, those four might still be on the ice. Eventually Dvorak got fed up and left, but the other three, Chikrin kept coming up with new games for them to play for like how to shoot the puck at the net from the other end of the ice. It was, it was one of the more entertaining things I've seen in the last four months. Um, they were trying to lift the puck onto the top of the net from like 200 feet away. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was something. Seattle has a hockey team. And just 17 short years later, they have named that hockey team. What do you guys think? I loved it, actually. I Look, I think some people are going to say
2: Kraken, really. It's kind of a, a children's name. But I, I applaud Seattle for not going the route that far too many professional sports teams go and choosing a boring nickname, Lions and Tigers and Bears, oh my. <laughs> it, it yeah, just, I, it's, it, go ahead, Jamie.
0: I, I mean, whenever you, first off, the name's awesome. Love it. And the uniform design is great. And whenever they come out with the third uniform with the space needle anchor uh, on the mm-hmm. front, I am getting one. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's funny because like the line of what people determine are, are suitable or not suitable or hokey or not hokey nicknames just depends on what's new. I mean, we have two baseball teams named after socks. We have another baseball team that one of us follows named after a baby bear. I mean, where are you like – I mean, so where is the line of what is and what isn't a weird name? We're just used to names that they've been around so long because they've been around so long.
2: Side note note on the uh, Seattle logo and colors, uh, I got a chance to speak to uh, Kraken Assistant General Manager Rick Olchek yesterday. And apparently he had a hand in this design. He, He had made some suggestions, and as he told me, he figured there's no way they were going to consider anything that he was suggesting because he has no clue what he's doing with marketing stuff. And then he saw it and he, he said, I, I was like, he said, I was squealing. I was like a little kid. I was so excited to see it. So they're, they're pretty excited about things up there. I love the logo. I love, I love the little, this the subtle serpent krakenish thing, the eye. And like you said, Jamie, the, the, the shoulder patch with the anchor, every, everything about it. I love.
1: Okay. Let me, let me just throw one, Um, it's not anything they're going to change, but one suggestion as somebody that grew up in Seattle, I have a lot of friends that are not necessarily hockey fans that are really excited about this team. And they're sending me like, Oh, look at this hat. Look at this, this hoodie or whatever. The only problem I have is (laughs) I I like the S logo and I like the anchor logo, but all of their merchandise looks like Mariner stuff. That's the only concern. Uh, I think they could have made the logo on the front of the jersey more complicated because you you can do that, right? I mean, on a hockey jersey, you can get pretty complicated with that logo. The Blackhawks, the Penguins, and other teams that aren't as good as them. But the I, I like it. I like the video. I like, like you guys said, I like that they were they were creative and kind of went their own direction with it. I know there's some old school hockey traditionalists that hate the name. I may have gone sockeyes just from I know that's a big deal up in Seattle. But if they um, if they go Kraken, which they have, which is not a big deal in Seattle. It's a big deal in like Norway. Um, I just, I'm interested to see how they work the giant squid into game production without yeah. infringing on Detroit.
2: Two more uh, uh, side notes. Uh, first of all, if you remember back in May when Dave Tippett was still there, uh, he had said, well, the, the previous May, um, He thought Kraken was the one name that he was going to rule out. So, of course, I tripped him as soon as they chose it. And he he shoots back better than Sockeyes. (laughs) Now, apparently, there were a couple other nicknames under consideration, but they had a hard time getting them through the branding part because they they just didn't think it translated well. Metropolitans was definitely in consideration. They did want to harken back to history. There there were some other things that were being considered as well, including Sockeyes. But ultimately, they went with really what the what the fans were telling them they wanted, and and it really passed the mustard in uh, in
1: their marketing department as well. The video was great. The intro video was great. I like that they didn't. I mean, I know they dragged it out for eighteen months before they came up with a name. <laughs> but as far as announcing the name, they announced the name. They had the the logo, the jerseys, the 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 swag. They had it all there at the same time instead of spreading that out over another six months. So. Yeah.
2: The other problem, Luke, the, the one you didn't raise because you're just a nice guy and you wouldn't say this on the air, um, uh, is the potential nicknames for the arena and well, the fans yeah. <laughs> who will become the crackheads and the arena
0: will become the crack house. Yes, that Ste- is, steer uh, into the curve. That's, steer that's, into that's the curve on these, on these things. <laughs> because if, if you try not to, it's yeah. going to happen anyway. Embrace just, it. Just steer right into the curve. It's fine. <laughs> no, no, nobody, no right-minded human being is going to actually be offended by it. Uh, just steer right into the curve. No and I think that on a certain level they
1: like when Vegas first got their team they were very much like look at us we're going to be aggressive on social media and we're going to be you know they had their own path like they had a personality and they still do
0: and Whereas, they were aggressively yeah. Vegas too yeah like exactly. they didn't they didn't
1: shy away from any of that there's, there's a lot of dark humor up in Seattle. And like that video was dark to introduce the logo. And even their, their, uh, their Twitter page right now says, now that we have a name, we're going to come take, we're looking at what players to draft off your team or whatever. Yes, exactly. it's your favorite player, but Yeah. Um, you know, with the flat cap here going forward, they could be in a, in a pretty decent position to get some players. They were not going to get say six months ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be fascinating to watch that. Um, I will throw out there. Everybody should rate and review the show and, um, I haven't read this one, and Jamie just stopped reading them. But this is from Zacomo7. These three always keep me informed and make me laugh. Thanks, Zacomo, unless you accidentally uh, posted that for the wrong podcast. But we'll take it. Five stars. Uh, Anything else on Seattle? Where are they going to be? Which division? They're going to be in the Pacific Division. Well, you you should subscribe to AZ Coyotes Insider, like I did. And, um, thank you. Reed. Really? No, absolutely. Yeah, but, you know, he literally finally did it today. Well, you know, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I said, I was going to do it. Just, just didn't need to be said, Jamie,
1: but, no, but most but of what did. Jamie says, doesn't right. need
0: to but, be but, said. before we make this very, I know you were making an awesome transition into Craig's story, but I'm just going to just obliterate, obliterate it right now. Sounds about right. One last point we should make is that there are three really big things that the NHL has gotten really right recently, which is an incredible streak for them. But, the expansion of the Golden Knights and the carry out from there with Bill Foley, the expansion and now the new name for Seattle, and what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, getting that new CBA done in the midst of all of this uncertainty, uh, very NHL-like. Those are three home runs for them, and that's not something I think we would have been confident in 10 years ago would have happened like this. I'd add one more. I'd say the
1: playoff scheduling where the, the starts are staggered, unlike baseball, where that I was too. really excited to watch some opening day baseball, and there was one game on during the day. That was That was cool. But uh, but hockey, yeah, what, starting next Saturday, it'll be at least five games a day for about a week. Um, I've got your
2: segue, Jamie. So by saying that, are you saying they're off the hook with realignment? They don't have to worry about that anymore because they've gotten enough, right? Oh, look
0: at that. Uh, probably because they'll just pay attention to like one team. They'll be like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll move the Coyotes as we've talked. <laughs> Which is exactly what they're going
2: to do. And I, I reached out to Bill Daly, the Deputy Commissioner of the NHL, to find out if that was still in fact a plan. And he said, yes, that is the plan. And I said, would the NHL consider something else? Is that set in stone? Would they consider another plan or is it too much of a headache? And he said, I don't know why. Well, why would anything change? I'm, 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 he said, basically, they're, they're not changing anything that's already been approved by the board. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're done working on this one. We really don't want to think about it, which I, I don't get. Look, I, I get that it, in some ways it's just easy to push the Coyotes to the central But isn't your job to make sure you have the best plan in place and to explore all options before you decide how alignment is going to look? And now that they have 32 teams, isn't the NFL model something maybe you should look at? Because the NFL generally does a pretty good job with these things.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. Just real quick here, Jamie, the the playoffs, the way they're set up this year, I know it's not intentional, but the fact that we're not going to see the exact same first-round matchups that we see, see every year is exciting. And so if you realign to eight divisions, you have that option again.
0: And it also kind of, mer- it's perfect marriage between making sure winning your division matters, but also not leaving out teams or or reseeding teams in a bad scenario, just because they're in a really strong division. Just going at four division winners, four wild cards for the best record, and moving on from there.
2: Yeah, or even the qualifying round, if they decide they want to do this for revenue yeah. and excitement, it's easy to do as well. You just take the next four teams and, and play it out just as you have this year with the top four teams getting buys and and in this case it would be division winners so they'd
1: really earned it craig you really broke it down in the story too you actually have like maps with logos and geog- it's like a it's like a game of risk that's all clay collins actually i did
2: none of the graphics because i don't have those talents i have very theory. few as you guys know yeah i just wanted you to have
1: to say it on the air but okay, it is great you can you. change
0: the you can change the color of fonts on word docs <laughs>
1: well we don't know that that's not clay collins too to be honest that's true That's true we don't know it's just hurtful okay. um I I had looked through the the list of how you had we were going to align things before you had posted this, and I gave you my only critique on it was that um, I would like Vancouver and Seattle in the same division. But then, as I said, beyond that, you know, it's not like if they're not in the same division, they're never going to play each other. So it doesn't really matter. Some of the greatest rivalries in hockey aren't necessarily in the same division. This the plan you laid out with eight different divisions of four, and what the Coyotes are in with Colorado, Dallas, and Vegas in yes. the Southwest Division it just makes so much more sense than the plan the NHL is going with. And again, we just said the NHL has done four or five great things here in the last year, but I don't fully understand the plan that they're going to stick with.
2: Yeah, look, there's going to be a flaw with any plan, and I've had some people suggest that if you want to put Vancouver and Seattle in the same division, okay, maybe you could put – San Jose in with Colorado. I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, maybe it was Winnipeg in Minnesota, which is a little bit of a stretch. There's some, no, I, I don't think it was that far, but the, there are some other plans that you could concoct to make this thing work. I, first of all, with Seattle and Vancouver, I get that you could create a rivalry down the road, but I'm not really buying that there's a rivalry between those cities right now. What, why? What, what exists between those two cities that makes it all that fervent?
1: Yeah, I, I would. I mean, there's obviously not a rivalry yet because they haven't played. I just know growing up there, the Sonics and the Trailblazers had a huge rivalry it, just because they were so far away from all the other teams. You're just kind of tucked up there in the Northwest. But again, it, it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter because Vancouver and Seattle are still going to play each other. And yeah, I right, like four the times idea. versus six, so it's yeah. still yeah. they still play them quite a bit. And in this they format, they could potentially play in the playoffs
0: too. Yeah, yeah, just play each other, and whoever wins the season series gets Point Roberts for the next year. Like done, done and done. Call it, call a <laughs> day. Um, but to me, like with your plan, I kind of like the idea of grouping all of the Canadian teams in all the, all the Western Canadian teams in one division, you know, not going True. south of the border there, you know, interstate travel with the California teams, that kind of a thing. I think that matters, even though, yes, I know geographically Seattle is closer to Vancouver than Winnipeg, obviously, but I, I kind of liked how that format went. And, you know, if, if you looked at Craig's story, I mean, my I wasn't even really a nitpick. My only conversation was, and we know it's never going to happen because Detroit cried their way back to the Eastern Conference, but yep. I would love to switch uh, Columbus and Detroit in that put Detroit in the Central. Uh, I, I think that would be incredibly, I think that's just incredibly, incredible matchups, incredibly interesting. Get back to that Blackhawks Red Wings rivalry whenever these two teams ever be good again. Um, all of that fun stuff. But it's interesting because no matter how you break it down, there's always there's always going to be like one semi-awkward team that would kind of fit better in another division, but you can't really place them anywhere else. Buffalo was kind of that team for me uh, on Craigslist, where you kind of look at where they were and you're like, eh, they kind of fit in better with those Eastern Canadian teams, but you can't really put them there. And it, it just, it kind of gets, there's always yeah. going to be, like Craig said, some sort of, some team that gets left out, some sort of flaw, but. To me, it's this is the current method in just moving Arizona to the Central is just incredibly uncreative. Did yeah, you see you found the Buffalo Sabres on Craigslist? Because that's what I
1: gathered out of everything. You just
2: said. <laughs> I, on, on those two topics, yeah, you, I think you know that I would love to see the Blackhawks Red Wings rivalry renewed, but Detroit has made it very clear they want to be in the Eastern Conference. And I don't, with their sway at the league office, I don't see that changing. Um, in terms of Buffalo, yeah, there were a lot of people that wanted to see Buffalo and Toronto in the same division, but. I really wanted Boston in with Montreal because that's one of the remaining traditional rivalries that's left.
0: So I and so I get Boston of, there. Go there's just weird amount of Bruins fans in in Canada. Like there's a, there's just a very high. I think of all probably of all of the American teams in Eastern Canada, I imagine there are more Bruins fans than any of the other ones. I like the idea of Boston and Toronto in the same
1: division. I, I get mm-hmm. the Buffalo Toronto thing since they share a baseball team now. But as far <laughs> as as Detroit. You guys are right. I mean, they cried they were in the Eastern Conference, and they're not going to move back, but that really
0: hasn't worked out well for them at all. <laughs> they've been terrible ever since they got over there. I mean, they could have been in the KHL all this time. I don't think it would have mattered right now the way they've played the last couple of years. <laughs> um, okay, we've got a lot of a lot of listener questions. That's originally why we did this. So
1: we're going to start with the ones you guys sent us last Tuesday that we didn't get to, and then we're just going to keep moving forward, and we'll try and get through as many of them as possible, Okay. Let's see. Well, Christina wrote in. First of all, Christina wrote in today. Are you guys going back and reading old questions? Yes, Christina, we are. And we're going to start with yours. Uh, A while back, Luke tweeted that Shane Doan got involved with the NHL and now they just casually negotiate CBAs like it's no big deal. Any truth to that? Or is it just a quick, quick quip from Luke's wit? Oh, I like that. Best uh, player of the Coyote scrimmages is her second question. Um, oh, I would you can say ask Keller. the first
2: one. Yeah, I would say Clayton Keller, too. He had five goals and he was yeah. I was gonna mention that earlier when we were talking about Coyote's camp. You don't want to take a lot away from camp, but Clayton Keller was flying. I had a chance tans- chance to talk to him yesterday. I'm gonna have something on him on Tuesday, but he uh he worked out like a fiend during these four months. It was interesting to hear all the things that he was doing. And he said he can really feel it on the ice. Again, we'll see when he starts playing games. And obviously, teams are going to get physical with Clayton Keller, try and keep him from the middle. But man, did he look good in camp.
1: And we've said this before. He's always at his best in October, which is the start of the season. So if they can convince him this is the start of a new season and he gets on a roll for a month, that could be huge for this team. Because I don't know that you're necessarily counting on offense from him the way you are from Hall and ideally Kessel and I think Garland at this point. Um, as far as that first part, yeah, that was just me making a joke. Although Shane Doan is involved with the league and he, even though he won't admit it, played a big role in the last, uh, lockout ending, but that was a while ago. You seem to have a lot of people taking you literally lately. Yeah. And people know that, um, I mean, what was the other one? My Christian Dvorak's going to win the Conn Smythe. That'd yeah. be great if Christian Dvorak won the Conn Smythe, but I, that's not my prediction. He just had two goals in the scrimmage Or <laughs> isn't <in> it? The, <laughs> the Coyotes game. No, it's not. I mean, I think if the Coyotes won the cup, that wouldn't be my my prediction it would still be somebody else but um but yeah look anytime Shane Doan is near anything that goes well though I'm fine at this point just giving him credit for it uh well this question (laughs) I don't know about this one anymore but I said we're going to go back and read all of them this is from Eric Taylor Hall re-signs with the Coyotes which current players on this roster will the Coyotes lose in the offseason due to the salary cap
0: um, um, okay. Well, I mean, Yeah, I mean, I think you start with. Uh, yeah, I mean, it starts with the names. In Craig's story, you look at Derek Stepan's contract. You look at Alex Goligoski's contract, uh, in particular. Look at Michael Grabner. I think those are the three names that jump out to me of guys that would be most advantageous for Arizona to move without changing its structure. There are obviously de- detriments to it, but you got to get under the salary cap somehow. So, uh, yeah. I would imagine one of those three.
2: Yeah, I, I would think you'd have to move a couple of those pieces. And, and then, you know, if, if teams don't want them, I would think Alex Golagoski would be fairly attractive. He actually isn't paid as much next season. He had a, a renaissance season. So I think he could help a lot of teams who are always looking for help on the blue line. Derek Stepan might be harder to move. Michael Grabner might be harder to move. You might have to look other places too, like Adjacent Demers or Auntie Ranta, even. Uh, I I still maintain that they're crazy to trade Auntie Ranta in spite of his injury history. You have two elite goaltenders, and that, that means a lot over the course of an NHL season.
1: Yeah, I would hope that, uh, especially, I mean, if, if you figure next season's probably going to be a condensed schedule, you're really going to need two goalies next season. So of all the times to trade on your onto, this would not make any sense to me. Uh, Coyote and Philly, this is a big question. What's the best cut of French fry? Also, what are the best toppings for those fries? Hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't like the, I don't even know what they're called, like the ruffled kind of French fries. Waffle fries, you mean? No, no. Waffle fries are fine. But you know the okay. French fries that um, – I don't know like what fast food place would have them. But like they're, they're kind of wavy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Like yeah. the crinkle cut,
0: the cut yeah. ones? Yeah. yeah they, just,
1: I they, I, I, they, they always come out soggy. It, just, it doesn't work to, for me.
2: To me, so much of it depends on the preparation of the fry itself. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'd probably be okay with most of them. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, not,
0: I'm not crazy about shoestring. Yeah. That's the one I I eliminate right away. There's just, it's one, they're too easy to burn and there's like less fry per capita. And like, I just, I'm not about that.
2: (laughs) It's well put Jamie. And also I would say steak fries when they're, they're far too often under fried inside. So Mm -hmm. it's just this mush
1: that you bite into. So somewhere in between those. Yeah, I would say know your skill level when cooking the fries, I guess. And if you're gonna put like a lot, of like truffle fries, those are pretty nice. If you're if you're putting like some flavor into them, then they
0: obviously need to be a bigger fry. Like the more Fli- flavor, you can't go shoestring. Flavor's great, but I don't want any toppings on it because it just it, do I? it gets soggy. Very like I'm not a carne asada fries guy just because it gets once the once the the potatoes get soggy, it's a, it's worthless. But I have to eat it with a fork at that point, and just eh. Yeah. The crisp is, is big
2: in a French fry yeah. and do not absolutely do not come at me with mayonnaise.
1: That's disgusting. Oh. And you know, somebody will probably Matt Lehman. He'll probably right now he's probably eating fries with mayonnaise, listening to this show being like, what? Ugh. He probably is. And he'll feel insulted and let us know that he's insulted by oh, this. He should. Um, I, I don't know your guys stance on this, but it sounds like we might all be on the same page. How do we feel about poutine? Ugh. Yeah, not, not my deal. Nasty. All right. so, we are united against Putin. That might be the first thing. Against Putin,
2: against ketchup chips. Tim Hortons is overrated. All this stuff that you know yeah, that you can't okay. say in Canada. That oh, okay. it's overrated. Tim it's Hortons overrated. I've may, had better donuts. Tim Hortons may be slightly overrated, but
1: it's still pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's donuts. Come on, but um, I'll go to Bosa. Not a a sponsor of the show, but they could be. Jack York writes in, could we see Chikrin on the first power play unit? If OEL isn't assertive with his play, I think Chikrin could be the guy at the top of the umbrella on PP1, even though he produced on his one-timer side on PP2. Could we see him even play on both power play units? And then he he corrected uh, and said his offside, not one-timer side, whoops. But either way, I'm very interested in seeing what Chikrin does in these playoffs. He He has been very, he, Craig, you can either agree or disagree with this. I would say at the practices so far, he has been by far the most vocal player on the ice.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that too. I've heard him screaming all the time. He also is uh, not shy about shooting the puck. And, you know, you got to get it through. And that's that's a thing. Uh, Phil Housley told me actually that Oliver Eichmann Larson, I believe, was the kind of the most successful guy at actually getting pucks through. But there are times where you want to get it through with pace. And I think there are times where Oliver defers too much to Phil Kessel or Taylor Hall. They want some guy to bomb it from the the top and, and you know, draw some of the attention away and create space for those guys on the flank. So, if Oliver doesn't give them what they need early on, on the first power play, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen, especially in a five game series where you, you can't wait to see if this is going to develop.
1: Yeah. The other thing too, to remember with Chikrin that shot, and like I said, they, the four of them were playing around after practice yesterday. And one of the things that they did is they were shooting from the opposing goal line, all the way down the ice, trying to put it in net naturally that the way to make that shot is a wrist shot. And so Garland and Keller and Dvorak all understood that Chikrin's still firing slap shots but he had slap shots that were not hitting the net because it was from 200 feet away, but they were picking up speed as they went over the net from the opposing goal line. (laughs) That shot and his willingness to take it absolutely puts him in contention to be on on the first power play. Yeah, he can bomb it, no question. Uh, I'm a Raven, caw, caw. I need to know who to root for. Is it funnier for Toronto to lose in the play-in round or lose to the Bruins in seven games sometime later on?
0: Mm, that's
2: really tough.
0: That is a good. Question. I think it's. I think it still would be more funny for them to lose in the opening round because they be losing to Columbus. We would hear. We would see Tortorella's comments post game all the time. <laughs> and the Bruins are legitimately a better hockey team than Toronto. And I don't think I, I know that what that rivalry is. I know how often they lose to them in the postseason, but. The reality is there really is no shame in Toronto losing a seven-game series to Boston. There is shame in them losing a five-game series to Columbus. All right, Jamie, you had me at Tortorella.
1: Yeah, that's the one advantage Columbus has, right? Tortorella over, over Sheldon Keith because Tortorella's been there and he's a really good coach. But I, want
2: him, I just want to see him talking deep into the playoffs. <laughs> Zoom calls with Tortorella. That sounds he's a, soothing. He's great. Now, look, I, I think I said this recently somewhere that I think the public has a different perception of – John Tortorella than media do. Um, but this guy, when, when you talk to him one-on-one, he's warm, he's engaging, he's thoughtful and articulate. He, I, I would love to be uh, a media member that covered him on a regular basis.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jamie and I saw that firsthand at the award show a couple of years ago. Like he just, especially off camera, very, very intelligent, but like you said, Craig, just very like, uh, just yeah, very welcoming. It's different, I guess, when you're interviewing after a playoff loss or a game where he almost got into a fight with the Calgary Flames in the hallway. But yeah, <laughs> I, I want to see him. I want to see Columbus go a couple of rounds. I think you're the only one that picked them in the in the qualifying round last week, though, when we did the uh, Eastern Conference preview. Well, now you know why. Uh, Jan Yennick fan. I guess my answer, though, real quick, would be it would. You could convince me it's losing to Boston in seven games if Toronto leads the series like 3 0 or 3 1. That to me would be more entertaining is if they have one. a huge lead on the Bruins. And then, yeah. Uh, Jan Yannick, fan club leader. What would it take for Hayton to get playing time in the opening round? I would say
2: at least for one of the other players to struggle a little bit. Uh, I don't think he's going to be in the starting lineup right away. I could be wrong. Um, but you know, are they going to put him on the wing? I don't, I don't, I don't know if they're going to do that, but I, I get the sense that Christian Fisher might be in the lineup to start now on that fourth line, but that, that would be his place. I could see him moving in there. I don't know that
1: they're going to have him at center in the postseason just yet. Okay. Uh, Murdoch has a couple questions. What is one food you could not go without for the rest of your life? And what is your personal oddest phobia? Now, he has a hall question, but a lot of people have a hall question, so we'll get to that later. But uh, one food you couldn't go without and your personal oddest phobia? Pizza and Gumby. (laughs) (laughs) Remember Gumby's pizza? I do not. I've probably blocked Uh it. There was one in Tempe, like my freshman year of college, and they have since closed. But I remember at one point, a friend of mine poured so much grease off his pizza that you could see through the bottom of the box. So you guys really missed out on that one. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I couldn't go without pizza. And my personal oddest phobia is quickly becoming those cardboard cutouts at baseball games. Really? You don't like those?
0: No, they're they're just creepy. Um, hmm. I don't know what food I couldn't live without. I don't know. I don't have a good answer to this one. Some sort of hot dessert, obviously. Well, I could definitely live without that. <laughs> I think my weird, my weirdest phobia though would be and, and uh, forever. However many millennials might be listening, and they might nod because it's not as weird anymore. But uh, I hate having phone conversations. <laughs> I do not want to. Don't do not, don't call me. I don't want to talk on the phone. I I don't I, No. <laughs> I, I I don't were... want to ask. For, I don't want to ask for help in like Home Depot. Like just. <laughs> I, I, like, I will search. I will walk around aimlessly for three times as long before I make another <laughs> interaction with a human being I didn't plan ahead. Of I night. could never shop with you because
2: my wife wants to do that too. She wants to just look through the aisle, see if we can find. Them. I'm like, why? Why are we wasting
1: time? Somebody knows. Jamie sounds like his oddest phobia is people communication. Yes, yeah. <laughs> You're in the right business. Yeah, uh, Kevin. Which players have the most approved in the playoffs and play in round? My list includes Taylor
0: Hall, Johnny Gaudreau, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean Tampa Bay Lightning when, they, when we get once we get to round two, obviously, because of the way their their last couple postseason runs came to a very abrupt end. Um <sighs> did we ever determine who like the next Ovechkin is that's I guess
1: McDavid to a certain extent has something to prove now because he's the by far the greatest player that hasn't really done much in the playoffs yet.
0: Yeah, but he's young. Like I, I don't think there's I don't think he has that kind of pressure yet. That I mean nobody's I don't think anybody's gonna have the same kind of pressure that Ovechkin had because of one where he was born that played a factor into it. Yeah. Um But and how good those teams were I, I don't know. Like I don't know. Is there a team that aside from Tampa Bay that has? I mean, other, you can look at teams and go like, yeah, you know, they're in their window. They need to win now or guys are getting older, but I don't think they have any outside of like this player's legacy is on the line if they don't win this year or they bow out early. Yeah, yeah. I don't, there's not any of those guys.
1: I'm just trying to figure out who the next guy that's going to feel pressure if he doesn't win a cup within the next couple of years. And I think fair or not, that'll be McDavid.
0: Yeah, I, I could see that. I'm trying to think it's really anybody else. I mean, on, on that front. I mean, we talked I think when when Ovechkin won his
1: cup I think the name that we came up with was either Stamkos or Tavares. Um but Stamkos yeah. just can't seem to stay on the ice so it's hard to to blame him if Tampa Bay doesn't win and that just ties into Tampa Bay needing to win.
0: Yeah, and that's Florida too. Like I mean it's 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 different. It's a different kind of pressure. Um I mean there's a few yeah. things at this point you've kind of given up on Henrik Lundqvist ever winning a cup. Um He's not he's I mean, not even playing now, is he? Yeah. I mean so that that's that's kind of that's I mean that would be the next guy. Um I don't feel like there's that same sort of pressure for Kerry Price, regardless of this year. I mean, I know they're, they're a 12 seed this year, but I don't, I don't, maybe I'm wrong, maybe because I'm not in Montreal, but I don't feel like the last few years there's been this whole like, Carey Price can't win a cup or they need to win a cup for Kerry Price right now or this whole organization needs to be blown up. Like, I, I don't hear that sort of narrative that we've seen from, you know, from other players across the league. I think it, with, with Montreal, I think people are realistic. Look, they're just,
2: they're not good enough to win a cup. So, Let's, let's be serious about that. With, with, Taylor Hall's an interesting one because he's, he's only been there once. He played well when he was there. I don't know that he has something to prove so much as he could gain a lot from a really good postseason performance because the UFA market is going to be so weird this year, and he's going to be a UFA. And, hey, maybe Peter Shirelli will be the GM in, in Arizona, so they can sit down at the table and, and Peter can say, hey, you know, that one time in Edmonton, Halsey,
1: my bad. What a negotiation that would be! Oh,
2: I, I almost want it to happen for that reason, but I don't want to see it happen for any other reason. If Peter Shirelli <laughs> ends up
1: as the GM in Arizona, I'm considering becoming an alcoholic. Um, the uh, the Calgary angle of a team that maybe has a little bit proven the playoffs. I do like that they're not Tampa. They haven't they haven't failed as gloriously as Tampa, but they are the other team that was number one seed last year that bowed out in the first round. They just didn't get swept by Columbus, but that is a team that I'm not going to necessarily put it on Johnny Gaudreau, but I'm just going to say Calgary is, if they lose in the first round, which I kind of think they might actually to Winnipeg, they're going to have to answer some questions up there. Cause that's, that's too good of a team to be bowing out in the first round. Uh, turn in AZ blue writes, why are the Oats games at 1130 while Minnesota Vancouver games are in prime time? And then says, ah, a lot. Uh, that's, it's a fair question. I'm, I'm I would, operating under the thought that it, it'll be like Sunday Night Football. Like By then, if you're, if you're ever going to spend any time with your family in the next month, instead of watching hockey, you'll just pick at the very end of the day when Minnesota and Vancouver are on.
0: And I think this also has to be an understanding difference between prime time Arizona fan, or fans watching prime time and actual prime time. A 10.30 Eastern start time on Sunday night is not prime time. Yeah, that exactly. is a bad spot to be. So I'd almost rather be the leadoff game. Yeah. yeah, I mean look, the reality is if you if you're talking purely from a rating standpoint, Minnesota, Vancouver, Arizona, and Nashville are going to be the two series that are at the bottom of the totem pole. It, it just it's just the reality of the situation. Yep. Uh Mike Ford, what player you never got to see play, would you like to go back and
1: watch? My answer is Rocket Richard. That's Mike's yeah. answer. That's not mine. Although that might be mine actually too. Uh no. With all due respect to Rocket Richard, mine would be Bobby Orr.
2: I got to see him play at the tail end of his career when he wasn't the same player. Um, But yeah, and Bobby Orr is a good choice, but I think I would pick the Rocket, actually. I would like to see
1: him play.
0: I'm going to go boring. I'm I'm, going to take Prime Gretzky. Prime Gretzky,
1: yeah. Okay, that's, that's, that's I mean, I don't know. There's more boring picks. You've said many more boring things on this show, I'm sure. Um, Rose writes in, did you guys see this picture? It's from a minor league baseball tweet that she sent us. It is a hot dog wrapped in cotton candy with nerds on top. And she just said, how gross is this? What is wrong with people? And finally, why? <laughs> it is it is an assault on the senses. I would it's... still rather do that than put just ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joseph, is it good or bad luck that I'm having my wedding on Sidney Crosby's birthday? I mean, It's obviously good luck for you, Joseph. I can't think of a better day to have your wedding. <laughs> Um, except during, that's August seventh. That might be you might be missing
0: playoff games this year. That's the wait, re- read that again. Read that again to me. I'm sorry. Also, it, wait, wait, wait. Before you do that, uh, we talk about how Luke knows Sidney Crosby's birthday off the top of his head. Well, he's going to say it's because of the whole contract thing, but I don't believe that. I believe you've just known your entire life. I'm not denying that, but everything he does is eight seven. Like he's what, eight
1: seven 87. Number eighty seven his contracts eighty seven. That's not that's not rocket science. What do you send him each year? Um, usually just <laughs> episodes of this podcast. And I assume that they all listen to them on the bench to motivate them. Okay, here we go. There's a lot of questions like this. I'm just going to ask a couple. If you asked a version of this question, I'm just going we're going to answer it here. And then rather than rereading the same question a thousand times in the interest of time, we're going to go with these ones because they were the first to ask. Robert says, should we be worried that Chica wasn't at the, the Taylor Hall dinner? And again, Robert's question is from six days ago talk me off the ledge, please. Tim Waugh writes in, uh, please clear up with the Chica thing. Craig, I can't take any more drama. And I know there's a lot of questions like this, so let's just, uh, Craig, what do you, what do you got for us?
2: Well, I, I mean, as I reported yesterday, John Chica has another professional opportunity. He originally sought permission from the coyotes to explore it. Apparently was granted that permission, but then apparently when it got more serious, um, the coyotes balked at it. But, uh, beyond that, you know, I think there's a lot we don't know. And I have a lot of questions. Uh, if, if John Chica truly wants to leave this organization for um, for whatever reason, including this professional opportunity, what's preventing him? So I don't know why that hasn't happened. I, I don't feel like we have the entire story yet. I hope to have it soon. But, you know, I think people have seen some of the things that have been reported already that there was, in fact, that, that dinner meeting with Javier Gutierrez and uh, Alex Morello, Alex Morello Jr. and Taylor Hall. That looked weird to not have the GM there. The GM. Hasn't been around camp. I I don't expect him to be in the Edmonton bubble. I'm not even sure that I expect this guy to be the the GM of this team going forward. But I just think there's too much unanswered at this point to to speculate. I'd really like to have a clearer picture of, of what's happening before I intend to write something.
1: Yeah, I think the human reaction, especially if you're invested in the team, is to speculate. And I'm not going to say I'm above that, but I will say I completely agree with what you just said, Craig, of there's too much unknown. And that sort of became more evident yesterday. We're recording this on Sunday that there's just a lot we don't know yet. Uh, so I, I'm i just going to wait and and formulate my opinion after we know a little bit more. I hate that this all happened. I'm sure the team hates that this all happened as well right before the playoffs. But I was I found it refreshing to show up at practice yesterday. And, you know, not like you expect any sort of, controversy or rumors to affect the players on the ice, but it, it was a pretty lighthearted practice yesterday. You could have had that like gloomy atmosphere, which you don't want right before you're going off into the playoffs. That wasn't the case at all.
2: I think Rick Tockett actually told the players yesterday with all that's going on off the ice. Hey, you need to, you need to zero in. We need to circle the wagons. We need to have an all for one mentality. And ironically, as he said, they, they had their best practice of camp. At least that's what he thought. It was I like a bubble something- within a bubble. We've before. seen this before. 2012, yeah. 2011, But I think there's
0: also something to say it's the general manager. I mean, not that it's not a distraction, but it's not the head coach. It's yeah. not a player. Um, you know, it, it's not something of that scenario. I mean, John, obviously, it's a distraction. People are going to ask about it and it's getting talked about. But John Chico's presence or non presence has zero effect on how this team has the ability to play. A hockey game. So, I mean, I think that's probably a little bit, not that you want to have any sort of distractions around it, but I think it's a little bit different where it's not like they, you know, they're, they're drawing up plays with John Chica in the locker room and they're wondering how they're, I mean, it doesn't really change their, you know, between the lines type of play. It's it not doesn't.
1: A yeah.
2: Yeah. It doesn't. Uh, at the same time. I mean, a, a lot of these guys have a relationship with John Chica and they like the way that he operates. So, I mean, it's going to have some effect, but you're right in terms of X's and O's, it
1: shouldn't have any impact in that locker room. And I'm sure we'll have more to talk about here in, in future episodes. So we will uh, we'll obviously keep you up to date on that and read uh, Craig's stuff on AZ Coyotes Insider. Adam, who's your pick for Dark Horse play-in round Coyotes MVP? Well, I mean, what, what do you consider a Dark Horse? Is anybody that isn't Darcy Kemper? Because, like we talked about, Keller has looked really good. It's yeah. just... I don't know if
2: those are dark horses though. So I actually did a sort of a story on unexpected guys who could rise in this postseason. I don't know if it it wasn't confined to that one round, but it could be, but I, I get the sense that the Coyotes, you know, while they have immense respect for Nashville's blue line, because skill wise, it's, it's incredible. At least the top three, that's a really good blue line, even though they've had some defections over the years, but I don't think that they're an overly aggressive blue line or physical blue line. So, I think the Coyotes think there are opportunities to get to the net to to get inside. So we're probably talking about those guys who, who can get inside and score those garbage goals. So maybe it is someone like a, a Carl Soderbergh or a Lawson Krauss or not so much a dark horse because of what he did in the regular season, but a Connor Garland because he is fearless when it comes to going to the net.
1: Yeah. I I, w- I would, my first thought was a guy like Krauss. So we'll see, but I mean, I don't, I don't see Kraus scoring like five goals in the first round series, if that's what you're looking for. But my, One of my main levels of interest with this opening round, and it's not just confined to the Coyote series, is the fact that we are going to see, in a best of five, we're going to see some guys that are third liners or fourth liners on teams swing these series. And you always, I mean, I guess that's always possible to a certain extent in the playoffs, but a best of five, you have one guy that has two really good games, which is especially possible after everybody's had four months off and and most people are probably aren't going to be on the same page. We're going to see some unlikely
0: heroes in this year's playoffs, especially the first two rounds. One guy I'm keeping a close eye on is a guy we already talked about earlier. It might be a, a cap casualty, and that's Derek Stepan. Um, he has an immense amount of playoff experience. He's got 35 points in his last 60 playoff games. Has he scored some big goals in his career. Um, I, I think that could be a very interesting one, particularly on a, on a younger team. And again, if you're looking at guys that don't have a ton of experience outside of the obvious names like Phil Kessel, but uh, for Dark Horse, I think Derek Stepan because we have seen at times where he's just been like a, a just a little, just ever so slightly off. And he's got all that experience. And obviously, the, the pr- any sort of pressure is not going to get to him. He has played in much bigger games than anything we're going to see in the play-in round.
2: Yeah, for what it's worth too, Stepan also had a very good camp. That line was that that line was nails in the scrimmages. So that's a good sign.
1: Uh, another one from Adam. I was recently listening to some old episodes from right before the lockdown. I like your attitude there, Adam. You always, should always be listening to the show, even if we're not putting out new ones. And you guys were reiterating that the Coyotes have invested a lot in wing, but not as much in top centers. If they can't bring in a number one center already at the cap ceiling, is signing hall long-term their best use of cap space? I mean, if there was an option out there to bring in a number one center, then I, I we could have this conversation and say, okay, maybe maybe a guy that's not quite as good as Hall but plays center is worth using the money on instead. But there isn't. You're not going to be able to go out and sign a number one center, I don't think, unless you make some crazy trade. So, I would still be trying to sign Hall if I could.
0: Yeah, I agree with that because otherwise you get into kind of this like circular argument where it's like, let's just go cross-sport. For example, I haven't made a cross-sport reference yet today, I don't think. Um, it's, it's like saying, well, we shouldn't sign these great players until we get our franchise quarterback, but you don't know when you're going to get your franchise quarterback so you can't then not sign players. So look, the, the clear need is, is number one center. They're not going to, barring something completely unforeseen, they're not going to be able to address that issue in the next year. That doesn't mean so. At that point, you have to put the best team you can around and build the best team you can with the pieces you have, and that should include Taylor Hall if you can come to a reasonable contract. Which again, there's a lot of ifs there. Yeah, one of those big
2: ifs too is what what does the market look like after COVID? I really don't know. I think some people are working on this story. I'm really curious to see what they find, but I don't think it looks like it did before.
1: Um, let's booper. Do you guys have any suggestions on a good hockey audio book or two? That's, yeah, I don't really, there there any just good hockey books out there that, I mean, I'm trying to think of any I've read recently. I really can't think of any off the top of my head.
2: Yeah, I got nothing. It's funny. Um, I remember when The Athletic did a, a thing on uh, the best sports movies, and I, I basically said, um, there aren't many. There there are almost none. I think most sports <laughs> movies are awful. <laughs>
1: Wow. I'm not that extreme, but I can tell you I I much prefer the current uh, environment of watching actual sports as opposed to movies about sports. Um, Gertrude von Lichtenstein. Wouldn't be a podcast if we don't get this one in. Will eating Goya beans and drinking bleach prevent me from getting coronavirus? (laughs) Oh, boy. Let's see what else we have here. Um, We're not going to get to. Well, let's see. Tyler, this is a good Jamie question. You're stuck with only one streaming service forever, but you get all tiers unlocked. Which service do you choose? Also, wish me luck going into basic training next week. Good luck, Tyler. Yes, good luck with that. Good luck. um
0: uh, I don't know if I'm qualified to answer. This. I don't watch much TV. Oh, well, if you're not qualified to answer this, what are you qualified to answer? Uh, you tell me. I don't know. Huh? I don't even watching know TV feel
1: watching TV feel
2: too much like interaction with other human beings to you. <laughs>
1: He watches but not with the uh, the the vision turned on just the, yeah, I only watch
0: like those animal shows on Netflix. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Here, here's one Jamie can answer. It's from our good friend Carl Putnam. Can we assume Jamie will be doing a Zoom room for all Avs playoff games? No. Mm, that's no. a shame. All right. Uh, well, we tried. We didn't get. Uh, we didn't get to every question. We'll try and work more of them in. Certainly, when we do the uh, Western Conference playoff preview, which or Western Conference qualifying round preview, which we'll do later on this week. Coyotes' first preseason or exhibition or whatever we're calling a game. Only one is on Thursday. They play a week from today. When does the actual the other exhibition games start on Tuesday? Don't they? Like, there is hockey in two days.
2: Yes. Yes. I didn't say oh, that gosh. confidently, but yeah, I think that's right. Okay. It's exhibition, so
1: sorry. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, except I'll definitely be watching every second of it. Yeah, well, I'll,
2: I'll watch know. the Coyotes exhibition game, but I, I still, it, it, you just can't sell me on exhibition hockey.
1: Yeah. What about exhibition Minnesota wild hockey? After oh, football? boy. Oh. That's, that's a different story. Okay. <laughs> right, I'll have Zoom meetings for. <laughs> <laughs> it'll just be a blank screen. All right. For Craig Morgan and Jamie Eisner, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Trick Podcast.
0: The ghost of Shirelli haunts me.